Coffee cup conversation. Coffee cup conversation. Coffee cup conversation. Coffee cup conversation. Welcome to Coffee Cup Conversations, the podcast from Toast Love Coffee, lovingly known as TLC. Toast Love Coffee is a community cafe in a super diverse area of Leeds. It's based on the idea that life can be a little bit better when you're having good food, good coffee and good conversation. In these podcasts, we'll be sharing stories and learning more about some of the people behind the cafe and the inspiration behind some of the wonderful work that we do. I'm Anna Dyson, founder and managing director of Toast Love Coffee, and our co-host is Chris O'Connor from the Mentality Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to episode two of the Coffee Cup Conversations. Um, I'm joined with Anna, my co-host, and we've got Lakesh today coming in. Um, Lakesh, how you doing? Very good, thanks. Good afternoon. Um, yeah, just to start then, we're kind of getting a flavour about TLC. Could you tell us your first interaction with the uh, the cafe? Well, um, I think I was passing by, I come through Hair Hills a fair bit, um, and so I was passing by and I noticed this unique looking cafe in the area, very different to uh, most of the other um, shops and, and places in the area. In fact, in fact, I don't really think there is a cafe in Harehills. It looks very nice, looked very pleasant, understood it was a community cafe. Um, and then I understood a little bit about it being related to the junk food project, which I'd heard a little bit about, but never actually been to. Um, but I thought the concept was 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 really cool. Um, and so I just came in to find out a little bit more. Things were, just, things were just getting set up. I think I met Anna on that day. Um, I knew that they were looking for volunteers. Um, I'd had this, being vegan, I'd had this... Um, this impression that there wasn't enough uh, vegan food uh, or even vegetarian food really being offered in the area. In fact, the things I noticed were KFC, PFC, YFC, BFC. <laughs> you know, all takes on all takes on fried chicken. We need VFC, don't we? Vegan fried chicken. We need chicken. vegan fried chicken. It's coming soon, apparently, isn't it? So, um, so it's all these places, and um, um, just I, I felt like uh, there would be value in there being some vegan food served. I thought the the thing that the cafe was trying to do was was fantastic, particularly around zero waste as well. Mm. Um, and uh, and felt I you know I, I would love to have the opportunity to kind of be able to cook there, to bring to for my part bring some vegan food, really high quality vegan food into the the area. Um, also, the kind of people we'd be serving would be, uh, to my mind, um, very working class and from you know different communities and. Uh, I felt that they'd they'd appreciate the experience of being introduced to vegan food in that way. Um, there was a way then which I could present it that would make them feel very special, um, and so that they could walk away from the cafe with a very warm feeling in the heart, feeling that they'd had a very special meal, um, and all of that good stuff. So, well, we were both impressed. Uh, me and Dom, who does the recording with the um, the Thai red curry last week. Yeah. So, yeah. if anyone's listening. Uh, do try and check that out. Yeah. Um, Anna, do you remember Lakesh first coming in? Was that very early on in the cafe's kind of journey? It, well, it was very early in the 
since reopening in December okay. uh, in our new location. So it's fabulous to hear people, you know, just walking past and, and being curious and, and coming in. Um, you know, we, we get a lot of people coming in that way, which is fantastic. Mm. I definitely remember Lokesh. I think we had quite a deeper, meaningful conversation when you first walked in. And um, we ended up, I, I will not divulge, but we, um, we we had a very intense conversation. I remember you saying, oh gosh, I wasn't expecting this. And I mm. said, oh, it's kind of what happens here. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, I have so many, uh, so many deep conversations at TLC, whether knitting or not. It's so. what happens, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just great, especially, um, you know, we don't have that many people of Lokesh's um, profile, should we say, like sort of younger, male, Indian background. So you ticked a lot long of boxes. Hair. Long hair. Yeah. vegan. <laughs> yeah. So you ticked a lot of boxes in terms of what, you know, we really want to be a place of diversity. And um, I'm always worried when there's sort of too many of one ethnic grouping or age grouping. I always think, oh gosh, are we doing what we what we want to do? So it was really refreshing having Lokesh come in and, and he's brought his dad now, which is just absolutely fantastic. Aww. So um, TLC is part of his, um, you know, social environment, uh, which we love. We love. Mr. Sonny, hello yeah. if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and, and Lokesh's skills um, and passion. I should say as well, I mean, I really love the fact that, um, you know, now my dad is able to come to, to TLC twice a week, go on some walks with um, with some of the volunteers down to Gledhar Valley Woods. He always returns from that, um, you know, being very charmed. He's a, he's a tough man to please, but, you know, the first time he went to Gledhar Valley Woods and I asked him how was it, you know, his his words were, I loved it, Aww. you know, and for an 85 year old man Aww. like himself to say something like that meant, meant a lot to me. But I think we touched upon in the last episode that loneliness is quite a big thing and I'm not saying your dad's lonely at all, mm. but any sort of social connections, particularly in older age, it's just, it can mean so much to people, even if they don't realise it yeah. on the sort of surface level. Um, yeah, just well, being around people and going out into nature and stuff can just be really kind of, you know, rewarding, can't it? Yeah, well, we're social animals, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. And, and it's By really important to have that that human contact and um you know people who are older um maybe lost a partner um you know maybe uh, their health is failing a little bit um you know it just gives them gives them contact gives them hope gives them something to be interested in gives them something different from the normal day-to-day kind of cycles that they go through um it's really valuable really important and i was another kind of driving force behind um coming to tlc and wanting to cook healthy nourishing vegan food it's filled my heart with love for TLC even uh, more than there was already uh, so. and just to add one thing that um, especially when I said you know we like to make sure that we're welcoming to everybody the walking group to Gledhow Valley Woods it's um, it's attracting a really nice diverse um, age range mm. as That's well really nice. um, and I think there's something really special about intergenerational activities um, and I'm very inspired by the feel good factor um, when you see young in, interact with older and, and vice versa and just how rewarding it is and meaningful mm. for both. It's, it's a win-win. Just, it's really important, I think. I've done some work at Hawks with Older People Support recently and I've moved in around the area and now they're like my friends now. They came to see my last play, a group of them. Mm. And I think a lot of, I don't know if it's, I don't want to make generalisations, but I think a lot of young people can dismiss older people when... If you think about it, if you said to someone, would you love to speak to a primary source witness of some of the most amazing things in history? You know, people are obsessed with the 60s. Mm. There's people walking around who live touring it. We can <laughs> right. speak to them, go and talk to them. They've got amazing stories. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think as a society, we kind of devalue them. 
And when I spoke to them, I did a project with them. A lot of them talked about how they feel like they're treated like children again now. Mm. When, Mm. you know, they've lived, they've had far more life experience than any of us can imagine Mm. at this age. So it's really nice to get a mix of people. I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. Was the nutritional side of the cafe, was that something in your mind at the forefront or it kind of happened organically? Because the menu's brilliant when we come in. You know, there's always a healthy dal on, there's vegan options, there's vegetarian food. Or was it dictated by the food that you got from the, the supermarkets? From, from the outset, um, you know, Anita and I wanted to create a space where people could chat over coffee and yeah. cake. That and was the was, initial... That was the initial thing. Um, and then when we joined the Real Junk Food Project and we were intercepting all these different um, ingredients and ready-made things, um, and, and that's that's something really interesting that we had. Uh, I remember that they intercepted crates and crates of chocolate milkshake and there was this massive debate within the group online about what we should do with it this um this this you know high sugar high Mm. fat Mm. kids drink um and some people were very adamant uh, not to pass it on to schools um and others said but these kids are hungry and we don't want to waste and it's 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 got milk in it um and i think they did get that they did get shared around some of the, the schools in the network um, and I was really, that that's when it first hit me of, you know, the nutrition element really of, of what we're doing and, and what our role is. Um, I think with some things that have happened within TLC, I've been incredibly protective of and other things have, have grown organically. Mm. And I'd say the menu and the, um, the way in which it's evolved as a high street cafe in Hare Hills is reactive to the people who've gotten involved along the journey so we are incredibly lucky with um with our volunteers and our volunteers are are the absolute beating heart of tlc and what they give um you know they, they give so much of themselves and they are passionate and one of the things is through cooking and mm. it's a real um i wouldn't say it's a leveler but it's certainly for those people who enjoy cooking and especially when they've got um cuisine from their home countries or from their cultural background to 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 bring that into a space that is valued and welcome and 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 really positively received you know they get such a buzz from it so we've got the the Thai vegan curry that uh, Lakesh often makes we've got um a Syrian guy who makes falafel that he loves making we have um a lot of uh, curries that are made by some Pakistani women we've got some Caribbean food on the go we have sort of more I don't know, traditional English stuff like quiches and soups and um, we've got people who are passionate about superfood salads and we get a lot of um, quinoa and interesting grains from, you know, intercepted. So um, it, it, that's really interesting when some people look at a box and go, oh my goodness, I have no idea what to do with that, put it back on the shelf. And then someone else goes in and goes, ah, this is so exciting. We've got red lentils or whatever, you know, dal or um, quinoa or wild rice or, you know, and, and, and within the network, it's known that we we're a place that will happily accept these weird and random um, health food kind of <laughs> staples <laughs> that no one else knows what to do with. And we, we get very excited by it. Um, sprouting beans as well, things like that. Um, so I think in, in terms of your question about the, the healthy aspect, the, the, the menu, uh, I'm really, really proud that that is how TLC has evolved and responded to the passion of some of the people who've come along once we've opened the doors as it were um i would have been panicking if it was all on me to do all the cooking all the time so i'm eternally grateful 
um, that I get to do occasionally and, and make my salads and the things I like to make. Um, and we've got uh, really passionate people. We've got a vegan baker as well who's going to start coming in and doing some batch um, vegan flapjacks and banana cakes and things on a Monday and then we'll have them for the week hopefully you know we'll freeze some and, and we'll have them on tap because we know that that's one thing that we don't have a huge amount of Lakesh made the most amazing strawberry banana ice cream um, go oh, on give no. the recipe it was it was amazing I couldn't believe it go on yeah, so it's, a, it's a banana <clears throat> a banana ice cream so it doesn't have any dairy in it and it's just literally just frozen bananas frozen strawberries and a bit of sugar and you uh, you blend it, and uh, you have literally a ice cream like texture. Yeah. It's sweet. It's delicious. I've done that before. So I, I saw it on a YouTube video, people blending bananas, and I thought yeah. I'm not having that. So I froze some, <laughs> blended it up, and I was like, oh my god, it, it's it amazing, really changes it's, as it's well. Like it's like the top yeah. quality gelato. Yeah, it's like a lovely texture in London, like with all the right packaging or whatever. And it's literally just a banana, a strawberry, and a bit of sugar. Yeah. But with Lakesh's magic. I mean, to be honest, we could have left out the sugar, but I just wanted to blow everybody's minds. <laughs> <laughs> so, thought I'd add a little bit in there. Um, but it's absolutely delicious and so healthy and, uh, you know, kind of a guilt-free thing that you can give the kids or, you know, any family member, really. And just in terms of the interceptive food, we are constantly receiving bananas. And bananas are... Sorry, I just want to talk about bananas for a second. Oh, they're, right? they're literally my favourite, probably my number one thing. Yeah. Well, you need to feel sorry for bananas because okay. they come from across the world, don't they? They yeah, come. Yeah. From, they, we don't grow them here. And they have to go through so many checks all the time to, to finally get on a supermarket shelf or the local grocers or something. And there they are, beautiful green and yellow, you know, that have arrived because mm. they're, they, they're picked underripe. Mm. And, and, and and in Britain, we like them yellow. So, you know, we go and we expect a nice, sort of slightly hard, but yellow banana. It gets one little brown spot. And they chuck it out. Yeah, they won't. Yeah. Just one. I'll take them all. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have all <laughs> so of them. We, so, so these brown bananas, which it's bonkers because then you look in a bake, I love baking, you look in like a... Oh, but banana bread's perfect, banana, isn't it? Not only banana bread, but they say in the recipe... Get bananas that are overripe. Right, yeah. The browner yeah, yeah. the better, it's true. right? And I'm sitting looking at our store cupboard at TLC, and we have boxes and boxes of brown spotty bananas mm. that are like Mary Berry would like go mad for, and and yet they're being thrown away. That's by why I said every yeah, yeah every every time you see a banana in a supermarket, you know that. Back in the skip or waiting 10. for us to pick up, there's another ten boxes that, that have got crazy. spots on, and it's because of us, the customers. Crazy. I mean, no, that, sorry, and, and those are perfect bananas for making the banana ice cream. Yeah. And and then, the, but they're also rejected sometimes because they don't curve enough. Oh, I've heard about that one. Yeah. And uh, in fact, my son, you can look it up on Facebook on our, our Facebook page. If you look through the videos, my son, when he was about six, did this little home video about bananas. And he talks about how it doesn't matter if they're not curvy, you can still eat them. <laughs> the words of a seven-year-old, you know. <laughs> Often the most common truth. sense in the room. And so, and now I'm going to talk about peaches because this really, you can find this on um, YouTube. I think there's this whole thing about peaches and the peach farm. Something ridiculous. I'm going to get the percentage wrong, but, but you know, bear with me. Something like 70%, 70% of peaches are thrown away on the farm because they don't look like peaches. So if you imagine a peach, you imagine a, a, a cir- you know, sphere, mm. a, a 3D spherical shape, sort of furry on the outside, bright yellow on the inside. But only 30% of peaches look like that. So how can a peach possibly, if you're going to draw a peach, you draw one that looks more like representative of the other 70%. 
but that 70% are being thrown away because they don't look. <laughs> <laughs> that is mental. That's crazy, yeah. And they're still delicious, aren't they? They just have a different shape. Maybe that's the shape they're meant to be. It's like slightly diagonal or I don't know, diamond shaped or whatever. I don't know. But it's, it's, it's bonkers. Yeah, like you said, it's... <laughs> It's us as consumers who have to start saying that we're happy if our bananas are a bit brown and our peaches don't look like the ideal form of what a peach is in the consumer's mind. In the consumer's yeah, mind. We've created the myth yeah. of what a peach should look like. And it'll be the same for every other fruit. Do you think it's kind of marketing gone mad? Absolutely. You know, they've gone out and they've asked people, like, would you buy this peach like by showing images? Mm. And people have gone, no, I'd only go for that peach. But in reality, if you walk to the markets and there was a ton of misshapen peaches slightly cheaper I'd get that yeah. and you yeah. tried them and they were ridiculously sweet yeah, you'd yeah. go for them right like, <laughs> well I think it's got even worse than that because if you notice uh, sometimes in the year you can get these donut peaches right. that probably are the Delicious. misshaped peaches <laughs> but they charge three times the price now because they've realised oh they're like we the could novelty. sell them as novelty <laughs> only one month a year <laughs> and it also goes worse than that because it's not just marketing for adults <clears throat> it's like if you um, you know if you look at kids books teaching them fruit I don't know anything like that I remember there's a game my kids used to play uh, which was a shopping game and there would be an image and the word underneath and the image is of what a peach should look like in our minds uh, or an apple or an orange you know mm. and you just think we're stereotyping we're stereo poor Pete we need to stand up for the peaches <laughs> peach rights peach rights <laughs> um, and this is stuff that is being intercepted that would otherwise go into Bins, yep. basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And top top quality stuff, I might yep. say. You know, we, you know, it's all fresh and uh, I would I would pick it for myself. If I mean, I it's amazing that you guys are using that stuff. It's just, it's also on the other side, it's really upsetting that if you guys weren't here, that stuff's going to waste. Mm. But yeah. yeah. And then, the, I mean, I'm, I'm not fully aware of the scale of it, but just what from what Anna's saying, 70% of peaches are thrown away because <laughs> they're misshapen. Um, that's insane, isn't it? And we talk about people starving on streets and we're doing things like that. It right. doesn't make sense. And if it's across yeah. the entire food complex that there's mm. that much waste, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty wild. We waste 30% of our food as consumers, <clears throat> but there's also the amount of food waste going on before it's even got into the supermarkets, just in terms of the agricultural industry or the... Um, mm. Yeah, we, we've had eggs that have been mislabeled, so they've been stamped with the wrong date. So the farmer has said, look, they were laid yesterday, but the machine, you know, whoever operated the machine or whatever, it, it malfunctioned. So they've all been stamped with the wrong date. Therefore, we cannot sell them. Mm. We cannot sell them to supermarkets. Ton thousands of eggs. Uh, but this is already with the Real Junk Food Project. We are yeah. an independent cafe, um, community interest company, social enterprise. And the yeah, way yeah. in which we intercept food is part of that network. So uh, you know, just to make the point, we intercept from two bigger supermarkets locally and two neighborhood shops, you know, like the smaller ones, so um, twice a week. So we're not even covering all the waste from them. And it's too much for us. Wow. And then you think of the ones that we're passing by that either um, will not give us their waste. You know, we've, we've approached them and said, you know, this is what we're doing. What do you reckon? And they have a policy. They do not participate in it. Mm. Um, or they a lot do pass on to other charities, schools, you know, breakfast clubs, you know, other cafes in the network. Or they've got their own systems with other charities, you know. So it's not all doom and gloom. But um, we are... We're, we're only scratching the surface. We're only using 
you know, a minuscule amount of what's actually out there. Mm. But there's some really good guys as well. Big, big shout out to Leeds Bread Co-op, who um, A, make fabulous artisan sourdough bread. They do, yeah. And B, will call us and say, we've had a bad day at a market or, um, you know, the, the, the machine got the quantities wrong, so we've made far too much bread today. And they'll pass on their loaves to us pretty much freshly baked or one day old and they are fabulous people love them and we do you know we try to promote and say if you like their bread you know you can do subscriptions you you know there are some really responsible companies out there often the smaller ones really the independents um who care much more um and are proud of their product and don't want to throw it away so would much rather pass it on to us um you know for free they you know they give it to us as a donation um knowing that we will use it and pass it on to people who come into the cafe um and we will you know that people will pay as they feel for that so it helps us with our with our income um and it, and and um and it means it's it's not been thrown away um for you know but for pride others might not you know in the fact i know this is a bit of a tangent but in the fashion industry you know to 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 maintain the exclusivity of a particular dress or handbag you know the high high end labels will destroy, destroy. That's true, their yeah. surplus stock to ensure that where the ones that they have sold still re- retain their value. That's unbelievable, yeah. I mean, hopefully as a society we're starting to, you know, the, there's a bit of a backlash with real junk food projects and things like that. And I think most people would not be happy that that's a state of affairs, but mm-hmm. most people probably mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. Like before you yeah. said it, I didn't realise there was so much waste before food gets to the consumer. Yeah. And I think if a lot of people knew about this, they would say, no, let's use, you know, the misshapen peaches. Let's mm. intercept food and, you know, set up more places like this where, you know, that food isn't wasted and great chefs like Lakesh can cook yeah. hearty, wholesome dishes um, for people coming in. There's something about, look, I know as, as, a, as a parent, you know, I've, I've got a husband, three kids and a cat, you know, I know that food that we buy or that is in our house does not always get eaten. Mm. And, and I think there has to be, we can't beat ourselves up about that. Um, like the amount of times I've eaten cold porridge the next day because my daughter has suddenly decided she doesn't want it anymore. Um, you know, there's a limit to how much cold porridge I'm prepared to eat. But what I was thinking about was, um, you know, that within the system of the uh, the food in Leeds, you know, supermarkets have the right to make a profit because they, they are a business and they are, you know, they need to function to make a profit, to provide the jobs for the local people to operate and it provides a service for local people, you know, so, and if you walk into a supermarket, you expect to pretty much find what you want in there. Mm. So, so, so I, I get that. I think it's gone a bit bonkers when you walk into a supermarket and you can, if you need carrots, there's probably about six to 10 different options of type of carrot, where it's grown, whether it's loose or bagged, whether it's organic, whether it's pre-chopped, whether it's chopped in batons or in circles, whether it's actually with cabbage already prepared with cabbage and broccoli, or whether it's prepared already prepared with potatoes and swedes to make a soup. You know, I think that's a bit bonkers. Hmm. Um, so it's gone far too far because that must produce waste. Hmm. That needs to change. A lot of plastic in there as well, isn't there? So Absolutely. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a whole other, Are we doing yeah. that? I don't think we've got time for that, <laughs> but yeah, 100%. So I think if we can be part of that partnership 
and not, you know, having a go at the supermarkets, whatever, but we, we're part of that partnership. They should really be really proud that they are able to divert food that would otherwise go to waste. We're really proud that we're using it and we're um, demonstrating um, how to make um, fresh food and healthy food. I mean, that's another thing we haven't talked about, but a lot of people feel de-skilled in their own kitchen. You know, there's lots of ideas we've got in, in encouraging more people to make their own food and, and how to you know, be frugal with their shopping and how not to waste. And there's a lot of scope and creativity in that. But um, I guess really, without going on too many tangents, we have to accept that there is a lot of food that will not get sold. And there is a level where that's part of the system. And if we can be part of the system to stop it going into landfill, then great. Definitely. So jumping back to yeah. you've in, so that's the kind of journey of the food Anna's just described. And then it comes to you and you're in the cafe and you see this sort of food. And um, what does it make you think when, when you kind of you see this food? What do you want to cook with it? Well, so I mean, so far, um, I, I kind of approached it with a Thai curry idea. Mm. Um, just because, just as I saw the stock coming into TLC, I just thought that the curry made absolute sense mm. just to be able to very. And you've been vegan six years now? Six right? years. I've yeah. only been vegan a year. Yeah. So even in that, even in my time, it's a lot better. But six years ago, I can imagine it must have been just impossible. Yeah, I mean, here it was absolutely impossible. Even in, in Barcelona, it was difficult. The only place I used to go to were um, juice bars, um, places that sold smoothies. Mm. Um, there was a Japanese restaurant that used to sell seaweed with a miso tahini dressing or something I've got to make for the cafe actually Ooh, it's good. delicious so and that was a very healthy thing to have or salads when I was out um, so that were the, those were the only kind of things that, that were available to me can I just interrupt you there because I think we're touching on the, the social sociable aspect of it and I think for me that I, I'm really passionate about that as well that food you know I grew up with that that you know the, the meal times are family time mm. and you sit together and um, you enjoy that that together and there's the conversation and there's the interaction and um, it, it makes me sad that six years ago you had to make a compromise on the social element of eating you said you know there was no way you could really eat out mm. um, and you know if your friends are going out you know it's natural to, you know if, you, if you've got a certain income you know it's natural to go out for a meal and and you're sort of excluding excluding yourself from that and obviously it's not just vegan it's people who keep kosher or halal or mm. um, I've got a friend who's celiac who's incredibly difficult for her to to go out for a meal um, and so I think, again, if, if TLC is an accessible place where there's that sociable element around eating, mm. um, you know, we've had people say, you know, tell us in feedback that, that they live by themselves, they don't cook for themselves, they don't, they can't be bothered, they, they don't see the value in that. They, so, so when they come to us and they have a, a lunch with us, mm. that's the only meal they're eating because they know they'll eat with somebody. And potentially it's the only meal, the, the only conversation they might be having that day with yep. people. So yeah. there's yeah. two sorts of nourishment yeah. going on yeah. there, isn't there? Yeah. Like, we had a lady come in um, three days ago and um, she'd never been in before. Um, she walked in, she wanted a meal. Um, you know, I brought her out the curry and the, the, the salad and the various plates that we bring out when we're serving the meal. Um, and just, you know, sat down with her, tried to speak to her a little bit and... Um, just uh, introduce her to kind of the TLC environment. And she was really, you know, she was quite shy. She was quite shy, quite timid, um, mentioned that she'd had some mental health issues. Um, and, 
you know, after eating, she stayed for, I think she was in the, the cafe for three and a half hours. She made friends with uh, Anita and another couple of people, you know, happily talking away. Did they get a knitting? They were always trying they, to get well, there was no, there was no <laughs> knitting. There was no knitting on that day. Um, but you could just see, you know, the, she didn't expect what, yeah, what happened yeah. when she came into yeah. TLC and she was genuinely, genuinely surprised. Yeah. Um, very thankful for the, the time that she'd spent there. She, she went to pick up some keys that she was waiting for afterwards. Um, and uh, I, I just get the impression she didn't expect such a warm, comfortable environment to be able to come mm. to you know that's such a lovely kind of little anecdote to sort of explain all the moments that happen every day in the cafe mm. people might chance and walk by it and come in and oh yeah it might change the course of that day for them you had yeah. some gentlemen come in and you know they looked at the menu and they're like no we just really want to have some chicken and we're like well, sorry we've got we're a vegetarian or a vegan cafe and they're like no no worries we're you know, about to leave and, uh, you know, kind of twist their arm and like, you know, you should really just try, try yeah, yeah. a bit of this curry. You just, just might like it, gents, you know, like, <laughs> and? and they sit down, they eat and they absolutely love it, you know, Amazing. and we'll be back. So. Amazing. I think it's also interesting because um, talking about how things have, have organically grown at TLC and values that we've held on to really quite strongly. And, and one of them is the vegetarian vegan. I remember when I first had the idea um, talking to um, a, a local DIY guy mm. and he said, you need bacon and eggs. People would expect bacon and eggs. You've got to do bacon. You've got to do a full English. I was like, well, there's no way. That's not happening. I'm Jewish. I'm vegetarian. I don't touch it. I can't stand the smell. No, not happening. And, um, and, and occasionally we have had moments where there's been quite a lot of pressure put on us to, um, you know, meet the needs of the, the customer, this sort of, uh, you know, fictitious mm concept of the customer um, and then when guys do come in saying oh have you got bacon and eggs whatever we say explain uh, yeah some walk out fair enough it's a shame because I think Lokesh would have had great persuasive skills mm. but I didn't have them uh, but some go um, but you know it's fine they can you know we're, we're not for everyone I guess although we, we'd love to be um, but you know for a lot of people I say well if you are a meat eater you can still eat a, thai curry, a vegan Thai curry but if you're vegan you can't eat um, you know a chicken curry so, you know, mm. we have to appeal to the lowest common denominator here um, to make sure that we're accessible. And, and the other interesting thing, actually talking about kosher and halal, mm. is um, I mean, obviously everyone's got their own different levels when it comes to religious observance around food. But um, certainly being vegetarian and vegan means we're totally welcoming to Muslims. Um, and even kosher, where strictly, strictly, um, you know, you, you eat food that's been prepared in a kosher environment. Um, but most... Uh, local Jews who keep kosher would eat in a vegetarian restaurant um, and therefore we are as accessible as we can be for as many Jews as possible as well. Uh, we even had in our where we were previously um, we had a, a local rabbi very um, very observant rabbi came to visit because he knows me and wanted to support. He brought his own cup um, because you know because he keeps strictly strictly kosher and when you you know you do that you you really everything utensils everything has to be kosher so he brought his own cup I served him a coffee I said look this coffee jug has literally only ever had coffee in it and it's glass which is not porous so you know I know enough about the, the halakha around the, the Jewish laws around it that I could say look and he had a coffee um, he sat he chatted with people uh, it was the first time anyone else in the room had met a traditionally looking orthodox man you know with the hat and the, the peyote the, the um, 
the the uh, I don't know what you call them the side locks. Um, you know, he he looked like straight out of a, a, a GCSE textbook <laughs> on Judaism, <laughs> um, which most people that's that's what they understand Judaism to be, and that's they've never met someone who looks like that before. And he was able to, with that one hour of visit, he was able to break down so many stereotypes and barriers. He was warm, he was friendly, he was engaging. He understood the role he had in that moment. I mean, I'm often or I have often been the only Jew in the room, and I'm you know very very comfortable with that. And that's totally okay. Um, and he was presenting a totally different uh, Jewish um, you know story um, and and it, it was really moving that he he found a way to participate and engage uh, in our cafe that, that that was okay by him and his his practice uh, and I was really really proud of that that's really nice I think it's like a when you see headlines and how everyone seems to be pitted against each other and then you see what people are really like when they just come into a cafe yeah. and all sorts of people mix yeah. and it's nothing like what the yeah. papers or people yeah. say it is and because the headlines are hijacked by a minority always yeah. but um, there must be so many lovely little stories that just go on every day where yeah. people or conversations that none of us might hear that just yeah. happen and yeah. chance meetings and I was just thinking question for you Anna people um, like the lady who dropped in the other day do you often see people who might drop in and they have a really lovely two hours and then you might not ever see them again or you, a lot of people drop in and then they become regulars or is it a sort of mix? Um, well, we've only been open in our current location since December so it's, it's hard to tell but some people, uh, I mean my philosophy is the right people are there it's the mm. right moment for them and we're in each other's lives for however long it is and you know if, if it's passing through then then that's totally good and if it's a longer term thing then you know that's totally good as well but in ter- but other times yeah some people come and it's very intense for a few weeks and they're in every day and then we don't see them again um and so long as we've done what we've been able to do when they've been in then that's all, you that's can all do, good yeah. yeah um and you know we, we try our hardest Lukesha are there any other I mean the anecdote you gave earlier was lovely are there any other specific kind of conversations or people which which jump out in your mind that have had a big impact or have made you reflect on the cafe and what what it does you've got to give people an opportunity to be good mm. sometimes and so the cafe I think gives that opportunity to a lot of the volunteers mm. that come there mm. they, they they generally see the cafe or they know a little bit about the story they want to contribute in that respect but at the same time it also gives them a lot you know um, maybe they've not worked for a while and they get the chance to get back into like a work environment um, maybe gives them some skills that they need to, to be able to go on and, and work in the future um, I don't know if I could speak specifically about their stories maybe it would be better that they they were to do that yeah and I think in later episodes we're going to have a few yeah. people mm. come and tell their stories but I think that's a really lovely way of putting it but it so, allows yeah. people to be good yeah there's yeah. so many there's so many lovely stories at TLC mm. um, amongst the volunteer group um, that that's really enriching that you know TLC does I think as much maybe more for the employees that are working and the volunteers that are working there than you know as it does for the, the, the customers that walk mm. through the door I just wanted to pick up as well about what you said about volunteers. You, you phrased it really beautifully. Um, the the feeling they get when they serve their food, and it's well received, and what a buzz that is for those volunteers, and especially when it's their own cuisine um, mm-hmm. and it's you know flavors from around the world, which you know is, personally, as someone eating the lunches, is just absolutely you know mind blowing that we have this all in one little unit in Hare Hills, um, and and it was something about. Um, 
I was listening to a different podcast just this morning, The um, Reasons to be Cheerful, and they were talking about empowering people and actually making changes and being an activist. The podcast, the to be an activist is to amplify other people's voices and to give them the power. And it's about a power imbalance. And the first rule of being an activist is do not do for others what they can do for themselves. There we go. That's it. Do not do for others what they can do for themselves. And I think within TLC, when I listened to that, I was really um, quite smug, I guess, because I thought, you know what? That's what happens in our kitchen is I'm not going in there saying, right, you've got to make pasta and pesto or you've got to make X, Y and Z today. But people come in and look at the ingredients. They say, I'd like to make X um, and they do. And I think that in itself is really empowering. And we know some of our volunteers struggle with all sorts of confidence and uh, mental health issues and uh, feeling excluded from society for whatever reasons and they can come in and they can do something that that is that represents them that is well received by others well i can definitely concur that um the thai red curry last week was absolutely delicious (laughs) anyone listening go and check it out um Lakesh, thank you so much for coming on today Um, it's great to chat to you and anna again looking forward to uh the next few episodes yeah, and yeah kind of showcasing well. what is a lovely example of what people can do and allowing people to be good I think they put it lovely thank you thank, thank you. you thank you so much thank you for listening to this episode of Coffee Cup Conversations I really hope you enjoyed it feeling inspired well it's not too long to wait for our next one where we'll be talking with Jade about the power of volunteering and her experiences at toast love coffee if you can't wait that long to get your tlc fix of course please come down to the cafe we're open monday to friday 10 till 3 down in hare hills on hare hills road and if that's too far away or you're not able to come visit you can get in touch or be involved in our online community facebook twitter instagram and our website the website is toastlovecoffee.co.uk facebook is at tlc hare hills and instagram and twitter are at toast love coffee thanks a lot bye